Yes, people, what's cracking? Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist by trade, specialising in sports nutrition. Usually the podcast dives into nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences, and I hope you find something useful. Just before we start, I'm going to run through a couple of companies and services that support the show. So there's an opportunity to join the Supporting Champions Graduate Membership Program. Steve Ingham, the founder of Supporting Champions, has worked in professional sport for over 25 years, having led and managed over a thousand practitioners and support staff. Steve and his team have identified that there is a gap in skills, mindset and experience in graduates. The supporting champions are leaning in and offering an online solution. So Steve's been on my podcast before and you can find the link to that episode in my show notes. I pass on an online version of Steve's Steve's book, The First Hurdle, to basically every graduate that contacts me or person looking to find a role in sports performance. I wish there was a membership program with a community like this when I came out of college and university. I would have found it so valuable. So use the link in my show notes to sign up if you think you would benefit from the content and the community. So uh, this is happening up until the 2nd of November 2020. And at this point, I must make it clear that I'm an affiliate and I earn commission if you buy from this link. And the show is also supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. So as always, use Matt10 at checkout for 10% off your first order. I've just made my autumn purchases. They're Ultimate Greens Powder, Energy Bars, Energy Drinks Powder for my cycling and running. So take a look and I hope you find something useful. Now... If you like the show, lovely people, please share it with someone. Ultimately, it's the only way the show is going to grow. And also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud and leave me a comment or a review. That would be brilliant. Okay, today I'm speaking with Nicole, who is an online nutrition coach. Nicole and I studied a postgraduate course in nutrition together back in 2012 at the University of Bristol. You can you can find Nicole on Instagram via Nutrition with Nicole. As always, I'll leave everything in the show notes that you need, lovely people. So it's been a long time since we have spoken, and I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So, you know, look, I said that obviously we used to study together a few years ago. Um, we, we speak obviously online. I follow your podcast. Um, but I think it'd be brilliant if you can. And, um, you know, we've got a little while, but obviously um, we'll get into things. But if you can, just let the listeners know we finished that course in Bristol postgraduate around nutrition, physical activity and public health. And then, um, yeah, well, you know, where did you go and what did you do? And obviously I'll, I'll learn quite a lot too, because it'd be good to fill the gaps. And then we can dive into a few key topics around your experiences in nutrition with a predominantly female client base. Absolutely. So I guess it was January, 2013 that we officially graduated. Oh yeah. Um, and so I flew home and knew that it was going to be this huge application process, you know, okay, now I'm credentialed. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? So I came home and kind of decided, well, while I'm putting in all these applications and figuring out the direction of my life, let me get my personal trainer cert. 
So I actually went on to become a personal trainer and that helped me to get my foot in the door because I had always been a super active individual involved with teaching spin classes and I had a great fitness community. Um, and so that allowed me to get my job uh, working as a personal trainer at a local gym. And then I moved to a private training studio to be a personal trainer and they knew about my education and my background in nutrition. So they actually asked me to be their nutrition coach as well. And I thought, great, this is gonna give me awesome experience and I'll get to do both things that I love, help people build muscle, get strong and reach their performance goals and then help them to focus on what I think is the much bigger piece, nutrition, fueling their bodies, powerfully nourishing their bodies. So I did that for a couple of years and I really enjoyed it, but I quickly, came to notice that there were things I really didn't like about that personal training environment when it came to nutrition. A lot of it was about quick fix diets and we did things like boot camps and biggest loser programs where the goal was to lose as much weight as possible in eight weeks or 12 weeks. And honestly, working with these men and women, it broke my heart because I had struggled with my own eating disorder years prior, worked through my recovery, and realized we're not helping people. I'm not helping people because they're losing a bunch of weight and we're giving them education. But then after the eight weeks or the 12 weeks were over, I'd hear my client say things like, oh, I can't wait to go home and eat a piece of cake. And I was like, oh gosh, we are harming these people. We're, we're serving them in a negative way because we're not teaching them anything sustainable, anything long lasting. We're not actually helping them to build healthy habits, we're teaching them how to diet for a short window of time. And that's not who I want to be. And it's not what I want to do. So I kind of had that light bulb moment. And then I started my own private practice on the side, part-time, my part-time hustle, if you will. And I decided that I wanted to help clients create results that felt good. And Hey, if weight loss and fat loss was a part of their journey, I would help them do that but I wanted to help them create results that last and results that add to their life and give back to their life more than it costs them. And I really believe that health is both physical and mental. So I wanted to help my clients really unpack. Why do you have a negative relationship with food? Why is weight a struggle? Where is the, the barrier coming from? And so that was really the heart and the passion of what I wanted to do. And I spent a lot of time continuing education, getting lots of practice, building my systems as an individual nutrition coach. And then I got an opportunity to work as a sports nutritionist at our local hospital, our local health system. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is my dream job. I will love this. And I did, I did. They gave me a lot of autonomy in the position. It was amazing. I got to work with athletes. I worked with our USA women's field hockey team and I, it was a dream, but I realized the same thing. Clients would come in for one session, two sessions, and maybe it would be a month apart and then they'd leave. And I could feel good about giving them no nonsense nutrition advice, right? Teaching them about food, but there was no accountability. There was no long-term follow-up. And what I know, because my undergraduate degree is in psychology, is that as humans, we need help. We need support. We need accountability. And so what I thought was going to be my dream job wasn't. 
And so just last July, I decided, okay, <laughs> I'm not finding what I want to do in any job that currently exists. So I'm ready. Actually, I didn't feel ready. That's a lie. I felt very scared and I was peeing my pants, but I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go all in on nutrition coaching with Nicole, which is now my online coaching business. So I have been doing that for over a year. I work one-on-one -on -one with predominantly women and I help them to create healthy, confident, life-giving relationships with food without the fear, without the restriction, without the deprivation, and create results that last. So that's kind of a long-winded answer to tell you how I got here, but yeah, since graduation, which feels like ages ago, um, that's kind of the journey that has led me to where I am, and I really feel like I'm where I need to be and where I belong right now, which is a really great feeling. That's fantastic. And I think people listening to this will pull on a few strands of some of the things that you you just went into there because they'll you know, there'll be different amounts of value um as 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 we kind of go down the line. So there's definitely a few practitioners listening. So what I'm hearing is the point of how obviously, you know, you move you moved around fitness industry, then into professional sport, and then like you said, you found that actually you needed to go all in so that you could, you know, deliver the care, the accountability, set something up for yourself. Obviously now, you know, if we fast forward into a situation where most people are working from home and it's an online business, you know, you're very fortunate. Obviously, it's kind of out of hard work, but I think that's interesting. Um, and then obviously just touching on a few different points where over in the US, obviously, you know, you studied over here and then you went over there. And I think if there's no need to go too deep into that, but if people are interested, if they can reach out to you and, and hear a bit about the career path, maybe after the show and what you studied and it, the differences maybe in uh, being being a nutrition coach online in the US compared to Europe or the UK or things like that. Um, and then I think I have to touch on, I actually didn't know um, when we met. And I've only found out since obviously following your content that you had to recover from an eating disorder and, um, you know, you had quite a, you can obviously give me the right terminology, but a quite a damaged relationship with food. And, you know, was that, if, if you're happy to talk about it, was that going on when we, you know, we spent time together? Because obviously we used to have big uh, meals with our course mates and, um, you know, roast dinners and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's obviously been a little while ago, but... Um, yeah, that's quite. I kind of um, quite keen to hear a little bit about that, if you can, if you're happy to have a, a you know conversation about that. Absolutely, yeah. I think honestly, Matt, it's why I do what I do. I mean, I want to help women. I want to be the person that I needed years and years ago that I didn't have access to. Um, so, kind of to take us back a little bit, in high school, I had a really healthy relationship with food. I played every sport possible. I never really thought about food. It was just natural. I grew up in a really wonderful household where we ate what we enjoyed and food wasn't really something we thought much about. Uh, fast forward to the end of high school and my brother struggled with heroin addiction, which was so surprising to me out of left field. I didn't know how to juggle that with growing up in a really conservative Christian family and having this idealized perfect i'm using air quotes i know people can't see me but this perfect family it was just me and my brother and i didn't know how to help him and i looked 
to food to be the sense of control that I felt like I needed at the time. I couldn't control him. I couldn't control my behavior or I couldn't control how I was feeling and I couldn't control his behavior, but I could control how many calories I ate and how many miles I ran. And so I became obsessed. I calorie counted every day. I would only eat 999 calories because for whatever reason that made my brain feel safe. I would go for a five plus mile run every morning, every morning, I never skipped. And it turned into this really negative cycle where I was very unhealthy, 11% body fat as a female. And ultimately I broke my hip, I broke my spine. I didn't get a period for three years. I mean, it was just a terrible, terrible place to be in. Take this all through college and I was able to kind of mask it, right? I would always brush it off when people were like, you need to stop running or you're too thin. I was like, no, I just eat really healthy. Like, don't worry about me, I'm fine. Cause I could still show up. Like it wasn't as though I was laying in bed sick all the time. I could still mask most of my symptoms. And so that's when I realized, okay, I have an issue. So I wanna help other people who are struggling with food. And so that's kind of where my passion for nutrition began because originally I wanted to be a psychologist and that's why my undergrad degree is in psychology. And then I thought, wait, my eating disorder has nothing to do with food and it has everything to do with what I didn't know how to feel and process. So it was kind of the perfect combination of mindset and then physical. So I thought, how can I merge the two and turn that into a career and help people avoid the pain and suffering that I went through? And so that's kind of when we met. Then I moved to England, studied abroad for the year, and that's when I decided to get my shit together. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? I don't know if we're allowed to do that. Yeah, that's the nature <laughs> of it. You can I do whatever you want. Said, hey, I need to... <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, if I'm going to be the person that people go to, I need to figure me out first. So at the time studying, I was still way too thin. I was still running every day, but I had started to eat more and I was in a new environment. So I could control what I ate. It felt very safe. We were learning a lot at the time. We did have big meals together. There was a ton of support, a ton of community. So that was kind of the beginning of my recovery journey. And when I got home, things just kind of continued. I started going to therapy. Um, I had to figure out, I ended up losing my brother. He passed away. So I had to do a lot of really deep internal work to figure me out. And then the relationship with food, which was a symptom to what I was feeling inside, kind of healed along with me. So it's really heavy. It's like a hard thing to go through, but that's what our clients are going through. And not all of them experience you know, big traumas like I did. It's not always the kickstart to people's eating disorder, but it was for me. And so I realized, wow, food is about so much more than calories and macros and hamburgers and hot dogs. Food is about the emotions and the feelings that we don't know how to feel. And so then we resort to food as comfort or as like a, a salve to what we're feeling because it's just so icky inside. So yeah, that's what brought me here. And it's, it's crazy to come full circle from that, but I had to learn the hard way. And now I get to help people avoid making similar mistakes. Mm. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. And I think hopefully in that, you know, in that description, then people have got, people have got a bit more of an insight into you. But I think, you know, one of the reasons why I got you on is because that tagline's interesting, the no nonsense nutrition, obviously, we've got history of studying together, gives us a chance to to catch up and collaborate to and hopefully offer 
some useful things to the listener but I do and obviously you've had to nurture this but I, I, I like how you are open you've obviously got your own podcast so you've practiced speaking about these things I know you bring on a co-host sometimes and you guys dive into taboo subjects um, you know your most recent one around calories is quite interesting I know you've got an episode on sex and it's uh it's it's all it's all content that if people listen to and follow you don't beat around the bush and you do get stuck in and obviously it's clear now from the first part of the show that you know you've been through a significant life load already and you've obviously tried to harness that together and then commit to your own private practice online and try to push a bit of a service forward um and i think you know it's we've got you a quite interesting point because obviously now over here most people are recommended to work from home now so uh practitioners like myself who do a bit of a time i do a bit of time in like a, a private healthcare where i'll go and sit in the medical centers and gyms and speak one-to-one with clients you know that's on hold I've got a kind of small part of an online business that i do do part-time and there'll be people listening to this that are similar that work in uh, nutrition or kind of performance you know a lot of performance-minded professionals and things like that so you you've been doing this online work for a while so if we can dovetail into how you've how you've kind of uh, upskilled your your systems and then the way you work with people. And I think we're quite similar. You know, I'm someone who will just take people on, want to help as many people as I can. And then you have to put the brakes on and think, actually, I need to kind of schedule my life. It's all really exciting. But prices, packages, all these kind of things. So, again, I'm trying to formulate a bit of a question. But I think if we maybe just start with um, now you're quite experienced in, in the online consultancy coaching kind of world um can you let us know how how you've started to develop that and obviously it's an ongoing process but it'd be great to hear what's worked well so far absolutely actually it's funny you mentioned this because every once in a while i'll get uh, a dm or a message from a new nutrition coach someone who's just graduating and he or she will say wow i want to do what you do how did you do it how did you make it happen and i think like most clients who are wanting to lose weight, they're looking for a magic pill, a magic solution. And I will be the first to tell you, (laughs) there is none. It took a lot of time and practice and hard work. So like I mentioned, nutrition coaching was always a bit of a side hustle. And it started with five clients and then it grew to 10. And I was meeting them face to face uh, up until last January. And when I was meeting them face to face, like you said, I was realizing, "Ah, man, I I feel like I could be helping more people. I could be making more of an impact. And there's these barriers where it would be weather, people couldn't get there and they'd arrive late, or I'd have gaps of time between coaching clients. And I felt like I just wasn't being as productive as I could be if I was structuring my business in a different way. And so I actually had a business coach at the time because I knew I wanted to take this from part-time to full-time. And he looked at me and said, Nicole, why don't you make this online? Why don't you make your practice a virtual practice? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I want to be really personable. My clients love that they can meet me and see me. And he said, let me ask you this. Would your clients get any less amazing results if they couldn't touch you? 
And I said, well, no, like aside from an occasional hug, they don't touch me, right? We're just in the same room and we're, we're chatting and we're conversing. And he said, so why couldn't you do exactly what you do, but help more people and make more impact and as a result, grow your income by turning your practice into an online business? And I was like, oh my gosh, he's right. So I, again, I was super scared because I was a little worried of how my clients would perceive that. And there were a few middle-aged older clients who were a little nervous at first, but I did my best to say, hey, we're making this transition together. I am doing this because I want to help provide you with as much value as possible. So I made sure that they realized nothing was going away. I was doing this to give them more, not less. And everyone was super understanding and came with me for the ride. And so that was January of 2019 last year. And since then, things have kind of just taken off because now with that extra time, I can be writing content that relates to people and I can be recording podcast episodes. And uh, a couple of months ago, I just signed a client from Switzerland. So you get to work from people with all over the world, as opposed to just people who are close enough to drive to your office. So it's been a process. Hear me when I say that it didn't happen overnight, but it was one of the best moves I have made professionally. So it kind of was serendipitous timing with everything that's happened this year with COVID quarantine. And I have to say, like, I've been super grateful that I made that leap when I did, because aside from helping my clients navigate a ton of extra stress and financial changes and jobs, and now having their kids at home that they have to change. He lost his job for several months, like I know many people have. And so it was really, really a great opportunity for me just to sit back and be super grateful and thankful for having this virtual practice. So it's definitely something that I would recommend. And I know it's not for everyone um, because occasionally I will have people that will say, hey, can we meet in person? Um, Because that's what their comfort level is. But for me, it was definitely the right move. Good. Yeah, agreed. I think I think there's, again, some really valuable take home messages there. And it does take time. You know, if we reflect on that, it's coming up to a couple of years, you doing these things, putting these processes into place. And the business coach is a really interesting one. And I think it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that's been on a lot of people's radars. But then over the last few years, you know, again, it's a huge industry, people coaching other people to try to become successful in whatever they do. But I think and I'm the same with with the majority of people I work with now on online is brilliant because obviously the restrictions at the moment and the environment. But then the check ins, you know, if you if you are someone that puts packages and things together, that for some clients is is incredibly valuable because obviously you set some of the action points, you're moving the needle, you're doing either weekly or biweekly check ins, you're troubleshooting and you're just kind of trying to figure out what the barriers are, what challenges they have. And often um, anyone listening to this, if you are a practitioner, you know, the value comes from uh, answering questions from the client as you go through things. You're going to set the kind of key variables, whatever it is, if it's the total amount of food, the type, the timing, and then they're going to have questions and challenges and barriers. And then that's when you can dig into it. Um, and that's what I love. And there's a few there's a few people that uh, I would meet in person, but that might just be if they're an athlete and they've been referred to me by someone and you do need to be in the room with them because you need to establish that level of trust and their lifestyles are very busy. They're around a lot of people, they're around media and you kind of just need to spend a bit of time with them if can 
have food with them. I've found when I've when I've meet met a few high profile athletes over the years, you know, those those situations have actually been really key. But most of the time, general public, they will get on the phone now, obviously do the the, the webcam stuff or audio stuff. Um, and, and then they can get stuck in. They, they can speak to you. You can you can stack up more time. I know some people that are doing 90 minute consul- consultations now online um, and that, yeah, that, you know, that that can provide a huge amount of value, really. You still there, Nicole? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's even better for in a lot of scenarios because now they can check in from home. So if they're teaching their kids and they're working remotely, they get to have a call with me. They could still be in their pajamas for all I care, right? As long as they're present for our coaching call. So it really helps the client just as much as it helps the practitioner, I think. And again, like you said, it's situational dependent. And I think you have to figure out what works best for you as a practitioner. And then depending on what your business model is, what works best for your clients. 100%. Um, so look, if we dovetail into your, your focus is predominantly with, with female clients. And I think there'll be people listening to this who uh, work, work with male and female clients. There'll be, you know, hopefully quite a lot of female listeners. So I think it would be important just to start at the basics and, you know, what, what are the key things you, you want to understand from your female client base straight away? And then maybe the, the secondary question is, um, you know, what else do we need to consider if, if you are working with, with predominantly females compared to either uh, a mix or, or you're working with just men at the moment and you think you want to get into working with women and you can just lift and shift, you know, all of your methods and your processes and, and it will be really easy. I'm sure there's a few things we can tease out there. Definitely. So I was thinking about this a little bit, Matt, before we hopped on and press record, and there were three things that really stuck out to me. So my clientele is predominantly female. I would say about 90% women, 10% men, and that's just because those men have expressed goals that I feel like I can absolutely help you to reach. So when I'm working with my female clientele, I think three important things to remember. If you're just talking about calories and macros and food, you're missing the big picture. So kind of like I alluded to earlier with my own relationship with food, there was a lot of emotion going on underneath that created that disordered relationship with food. And this can apply to men and women, but especially women, in my experience, we can't help them create healthy, confident relationships with food unless we're also helping them to address mindset and help them connect to their bodies, which is not just, hey, you should eat X number of calories, and here's the macronutrient ratio I want you to follow, and you should work out this number of days per week. Those are rules that anybody can adhere to for a short period of time. But if we want to help people long-term, we have to figure out, hey, what was your relationship with food like growing up? And what did your parents model for you? And what do you feel really good about when it comes to food? And what leaves you feeling really icky? Uh, Just the other day, I had a client sign on and she said, Nicole, I don't even care what happens with my body composition right now. I just, I'm tired of thinking and obsessing about food every second of every day. So if I were to just talk to her about food, I would be missing the mark. So I think we have to remember with women and with men, but especially women, it's kind of like that iceberg. What you see 
on the top. Maybe they tell you they want to lose weight or they want to set a PR in the gym, but what's the rest of the iceberg look like underneath the surface? There's so much there as that we have to unpack as practitioners. So I think in my opinion, the mindset piece, the mm. deeper emotional piece, helping them to create true behavior change as opposed to just short-term nutrition intervention change is everything. The second thing that I think is important to acknowledge is that diet culture conditioning is everywhere. And I have yet to, in all my years of being an online nutrition coach or a nutrition coach in general, yet to come across a female who is not in some way, shape or form. Women are starving themselves and are under eating and are punishing their bodies with exercise because of how culture, society has told them that they should look or what they should want or how they should show up. And as a male, I think it can be tough to understand this because a lot of diet culture messaging is geared towards females, right? You should look like this model on the magazine cover, but it's our job to help them unpack the lies and the limiting beliefs that diet culture has told them. For example, everybody should look the same. We should all have the same body size and the same body type. And if you don't, you're not trying hard enough. And I think there's just so much stigma around, hey, bodies are different and it's okay to accept and care for and nourish your body if it looks different than Karen's down the street. And so I think we really have to uh, take into consideration what diet culture has done as far as damaging someone's relationship with food and then help them to unpack what do you want? What does your body feel great with when you eat or how you exercise? I had a client for the longest time she said, I want to lose body fat. So that's what we said about doing. And then months down the road, she came to me and she said, Nicole, through our conversations, I think I realized that I don't actually want to lose body fat. I think I thought I had to because of things my parents said growing up and because of what I see on social media, but I actually just want to feel at home in my body. And I don't really think that this is what I want. So that was a woman who was putting in like time and money and energy to get to a goal that she thought she needed to have, but she didn't really want. So I think that's another huge component that is often missed. Um, and if you're not a female yourself or you don't work with female clientele, it's easy just to kind of forget about that. And then the third, I think this is a biggie, um, is that the scale is a super sucky progress metric when you're a woman uh, because of hormone fluctuations in addition to other things like water weight and sodium and motility but the scale is so frequently impacted uh, by these hormone fluctuations so if it's the only metric you're looking at for progress your female clientele is going to be extremely frustrated so I work with a lot of women who have been conditioned by diet culture to look at the scale, to tell them that they are good enough or they are worthy enough or they've done a good job for the day. And when we work together, it's a requirement that we use more than just the scale, if we're using the scale at all, to measure progress. And then we have to take into account that that is just one outcome. And there are a lot of variables that influence that outcome. And here's how we're going to look at it more objectively. But it will never tell you anything about your worth. And it may not even reflect all of the consistency that you executed throughout the week. Because maybe it's period week. And for whatever reason, you're retaining water weight. Does that mean that you did a, air quotes, bad job this week? Absolutely not. It's just your body doing its job. 
So I think that's a huge thing when it comes to working with women is the scale will be extremely frustrating. And I always say it's super fickle. So we can measure using the scale, but it's going to be one of several things that we take into account. And what I work on with my clients is focusing on behaviors more than outcomes because behaviors influence outcomes, right? Not the other way around. So those are the three biddies that kind of stood out to me when you initially said, how is working with a predominantly female clientele base different? That would be what I would say off the top of my head. Brilliant. Yeah, so to summarize the, the mindset side of things and missing that big picture around relationships with food, diet culture and conditioning, and then the I love that, the scales, you know, is a rubbish metric. And I think touching on that last one, you're so correct. And I totally agree because the thoughts and feelings around things and like you said, stepping on uh, the scales may influence uh, behavior and things like that. And then um, I've, I've spoken to some women that use uh, hormonal changes as, uh, you know, it's, it's a real barrier for them. They, they think it's obviously uh, stopping weight loss or changing their mood. And, and then I've got, you know, other practitioners that are saying certain things. But like you said, regardless of if someone needs some kind of intervention, you know, they need to test something, they need to uh, speak to a medical professional to change certain levels, you know, that those things might need to happen. But then again, it's those small incremental uh, behaviours shifts too you know if you're leaning on something and thinking it's not going to work because of hormones um and you're not really too sure what to do try to be aware of your behavior because obviously it's not going to change overnight but has that made you less active has that made you reach for a certain uh meal that might be higher in calories how's that changed your sleep and then like you said there depending on the time of month with the the water weight you know someone's weight could go up I work in kilos, but that's, you know, a kilo here or there, which is, you know, the US guys is 2.2, I think it is. Um, and that, you know, it's a fascinating area. I think it's maybe a different podcast in itself, the, the, the hormone fluctuation and the decision fatigue around that, because, you know, some people obviously set a line in the sand and say, look, these things need to be done or you're never going to move anywhere. And then others are complete deniers, you know, it's it's a complete excuse hormonal changes it's all about your behavior and you can still uh you can still deliver results and and don't think about it and that's you know again a very reductionist point of view so i think it's it's somewhere in the middle and with the programs and things that you do and working with people over time the key take home message from that example i think with the lady that you spoke about it sounded like you got two or three months in, which is a decent amount of time for her to change things, mull over some thoughts and feelings, influence behavior, see how she feels, all that kind of thing. And then, like you said, her value system is actually in, I don't know, maybe it was mood shift or the way she felt or something like that was more important to her than actually the number on the scales. And these things take time. So I think that, you know, the things you said there, hopefully people listening to this can resonate with one of the three, if not all three. And then hopefully if you are someone that's trying to work with female clients full time, um, you know, those three are brilliant springboards to to start to dig into. And then you can bring out tools and certain processes and and move things forward and hopefully help help your clients. And I think the biggest thing, Matt, and this is something that I have made an integral part of my practice now whenever I onboard a new client is helping your client to understand why they want what they want. So we have an expression, I'm sure you've heard of it, but if your why is strong enough, the how will figure itself out. 
Yeah. So if you come and tell me, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. That sounds great. Um, why? And they might say, well, I feel like I'll feel more confident. I'll be fitting in old clothes and that'll just, you know, I'll feel sexier. Okay, great. Why? Why do you want to feel more confident? Why is feeling sexier important? And then they might say, well, I don't, I just don't feel at home. I don't feel comfortable in my body. It's affecting my intimacy with my spouse. I feel like I can't show up and be the mom I want to be because I'm constantly obsessed with my body. Okay, well, why is it important to you to have that intimacy with your spouse and to be a great role model for your for your girls or your children? And now we're getting somewhere, right? Like it's not just about 20 pounds. Mm. Who cares if you fit into a different size because that's not going to change your life. But when we start digging and digging and digging and get down to the roots underneath the goal, well, now that's a whole quality of life differential, right? It can be a quality of health differential. That is what is going to keep you waking up every morning committed to the goal. And I think oftentimes we need to help our clients do that because they don't know why they want what they want. And so that client that I referenced earlier, she thought she wanted something, but if we had done the why, maybe she would realize, oh, well, in order to feel the way I want to feel, weight loss really has nothing to do with it. I just thought that it did. So I think it just comes down to, at the end of the day, nobody's really looking for a different number on the scale. They're looking for something else. And maybe that's improved health markers. Maybe that's being around for their grandchildren. Maybe it's feeling sexy without clothes on. Maybe it's, who knows? And, you know, a client's goal is a client's goal. I'm here to help them reach it, but I just want to make sure that it feels really authentic and in alignment with what they truly want. And I think that's client-centered coaching, right? And I don't want to project something onto you. I want you to tell me what you want and to know why you want that and how it's going to improve your life. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that comes with experience too. I think when I was a practitioner in my early twenties compared to now, um, now, now, now 30, um, you know, that's the key thing. You're not trying to impress, uh, cause it's hard to sometimes eliminate your bias. You know, I'd come from a kind of sports performance arena and retrained in, in some, some nutritional therapy practices and, and things like that. And it's just trying to widen your scope really. Um, and yeah, I've just opened my notepad. There's a few things I always have written down that I have next to me, you know, when I, when I'm either, like you said, on a discovery call or onboarding someone new and it's just once they've finished talking and the barrage of information has come, you pick up on a few things and you're like, look, whatever you just explained, you know, is that a new habit? Um, what are you currently doing? Obviously, that's an obvious question. And then the other one is, you know, what's the current reason and action um, that is causing you to do that? So there's a few in there that you can just get people to sit back and think about, or I might email over later. And like you said, they might have, okay, I want weight loss or I want help with my recovery, um, look after people that run and cycle. And then you think, oh, you know, is what have you started to put in place? What's your rate of recovery? How do you feel? What's your rate of fat loss? And just some of these questions can really get people to, again, just stop and put a line in the sand and think, actually, I've only just started this or I actually have neglected this side of things. And it's just taking that 30,000 foot view, isn't it? And I think there's a few situations where I do, I do offer a one-off problem solving type consultation, but I do prefer working with people over time because it, it seems obvious, but you do tease things out. Um, and, and, and I think that's, you know, that's valuable for, for certain types of people too. So it's brilliant. So look, Nicole, I think we've, you know, we, we've covered some, some key things. We, you know, we've obviously caught up and, and hopefully put, you know, filled the gap between the time when we were studying together to now. 
Um, and look, the good thing is, you you know, you could be the US correspondent on uh, on the pod. So I have to get you back on to hear how things are going. And <laughs> maybe it'd be good to do, you know, good to do another another like uh, more in-depth female focused type podcast. But I think it's been great to, to get you on, introduce you. People can stay in touch. They can follow your podcast. Um, and I think at this stage, is, is there anything else you want to let listeners know about or that you want to um, just uh, signpost to? before we send off? I think like you said, Matt, we've kind of covered a great range of topics and there's so much more we could say. I mean, honestly, we could talk for hours and hours. Um, But I think the important thing, the underlying message that I'm kind of taking away is what does the client want? And as practitioners, it's our job to help them figure that out because sometimes they don't know. And we might, in in my practice, I try to ask more questions than I give answers to because they think nutrition education is wonderful. And sometimes people don't know what a macronutrient is and the difference between protein and carbs. But most of the time, people have education and what they need help with is the application. How can I do this in my real life consistently, even when I have bad days or stressful days or ugly days and how can I keep showing up so that the outcomes I want happen because my behaviors were executed consistently and so I think that's our job as a practitioner is yes to teach but also to walk beside them and to hold them accountable to what it is that they really want and they might need some help figuring that out and the one thing that I always say is There's no cookie cutter program. So what works for one client isn't what's going to work for another client necessarily. I mean, individualized nutrition coaching is a different blueprint for each client because they all have different stuff going on underneath and they all have different upbringings and they all have different goals. So as a coach, as long as you're committed to putting your client first and helping them figure out what works best for their bodies, I really don't think you can go wrong. And I think where society goes wrong, where diet culture goes wrong is, hey, here's the one right plan. And as long as you do this, everybody wins. But no, there's no such thing, right? Bodies are different. Metabolisms are different. Genetic preferences are different. You have to work one-on-one with your clients. And if you do that, it's a winning game. I mean, you just really have to care about your clients at that point. And you've got everything you need to succeed. I mean, that's the secret sauce, I think. Would you agree? Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, you know, look, if you're still listening and obviously you're not uh, a practitioner or, or working in, in health and things like that, and it's, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't still be an issue. I think hopefully that one of the reasons why I've started to make this podcast a bit more nutrition focused is because there's a lot of decision fatigue around what nutrition coaches do, uh, dietitians in this country, registered nutritionists, nutritional therapists. So, you know, use this as a good resource to kind of understand a bit more about um, how a nutrition practitioner, especially someone that operates online, may be able to support you. Um, and I think and, uh, you know, I'm sure, Nicole, you offer this, um, you know, most practitioners will offer a quick discovery call or something uh, useful, some kind of engaging bit of content. So, um, you know, if, you, if you've liked what Nicole said, engage with her information online, I'll put her website in there, her, her Instagram, her podcast um, and I think just reach out if you've got another practitioner in mind or there's someone that you want to ask questions from, then just do it. You know, we're in this industry because we want to help people um, and, and signpost to people that we're interested in and we learn from as well. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope you found it useful. Um, and 
everything's in the show notes regarding the supporting champions information the membership program like i mentioned the 33 fuel stuff for all your outdoor sporting activities and stuff um and hopefully this will be you know one of many podcasts we'll do so um yeah definitely keen to get you back on the call and we can we can maybe pick a topic i'll get i'll get some feedback from a few of the listeners and maybe we can do something female focused or if they like the business side or if they or if they like some of the you know no no nonsense nutrition just cutting through some some kind of myths or fads you know i think you'd be the, a brilliant person to to kind of dig into all of those i'm happy to help and i always say there's no such thing as a self-made person so if i can help somebody else absolutely i needed help and support and accountability to get where i am so you say the word and we'll make it happen good nice one all right lovely people thanks for listening please share the show it's basically the only way it's going to grow so if you found it useful send it to someone they might find it useful and have a great week